0: and Misconception can look nearly identical. It's no wonder I often can't tell them apart. In particular if a misconception has been presented as truth by people who themselves cannot tell them apart. The difference between truth and misconception is that the misconception cannot sustain itself. Sooner or later it runs out. I realize it's no longer working for me and that I need to unlearn it. I can't do this anymore. A good example of this concept of misconceptions and truths is boundaries. True love, true dedication, true loyalty means no boundaries, right? Why would I need them if I want to love completely? So then why do I feel overextended from attempting to always be available? Why do I often feel pushed into doing things I don't want to do? Why do I often feel furiously resentful? Why do I feel taken advantage of? Why do I feel silenced and like I don't matter? Why am I always burned out? Why do I feel like my only recourse is to lie? Why do boundaries feel so counterintuitive? One day I put it together. I feel this way because I don't know how to say no. I feel silenced because I'm silencing myself. As I learn about boundaries, things get better. I had to unlearn what I knew about loving, about being a good friend, even about being a good person. I cannot ignore my limits. I cannot ignore my needs. Good people take care of themselves. Good people say no, and that's how we love better.
1: Welcome to Changing Lives Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. This podcast was originally created to spotlight the leaders, alumni, and friends of the Cutco Vector Marketing community who are leveraging their positive influence to empower people all over the world to change their lives. Every few weeks, we go outside of the Cutco Vector sphere to bring you a guest who is teaching others how to have a more successful and fulfilling life both personally and professionally. The special guests we bring to you here in episodes like today's are successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. The lessons they share are compelling, real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Back by popular demand, it is Dushka Zapata. Dushka was the star of episode number 188 on this podcast, the most popular episode of 2021. She is a longtime VP of communications in the Silicon Valley, And she is a prolific writer who has authored 13 books with a 14th coming out in May of 2022. And she is one of the top writers in the world on Quora. Her posts there have been viewed over 200 million times. Dushka, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Dan. When you told me that you wanted to talk about boundaries, I couldn't resist. It's one of my favorite subjects. I struggle with boundaries think about boundaries, explain boundaries to other people, try to distinguish boundaries from other things. This is always like very, very top of mind. So I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Yes. Well, since the start of 2022, I was thinking about, you know, how can I have Dushka back in a way that will be valuable for her and for, you know, our audience here. And of course, we're going to talk about uh, this book today, How to Draw Your Boundaries and Why No One Else Can Save You. I've told you this privately, but as I bought, Hundreds of your books to give away to people in my organization. I did not buy this book as one of them. I bought it for myself, and I had it sitting around for a long time. And then, uh, you know, I finally cracked it, and I got so many things out of it, and it led to so many thoughts that I just really wanted to get into this topic of boundaries with with you.
0: I'm here why, for it.
1: Yeah. Why is uh is this such an important subject for you?
0: I think that the meaning of life is connection. I think that it's why we're here. And I think connection with ourselves and with others can't be healthy without boundaries. Hmm.
1: So th- this brings up a, a really great question because in the essay that we used to open the podcast today, you used a phrase in there, in there which was, uh, you asked, why do I feel like my only recourse is to lie? Mm-hmm. And, and I think by that, you're, you're talking about a lot of the sort of the little white lies we tell people to avoid hurting them.
0: Or big white, or big li- white lies. Okay. Or okay. lies.
1: Yeah. Anything. Anything. I think the motivation, though, is to avoid hurting someone with the truth. And-
0: can, I, can I stop you there? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. You, you just said something that is very close to my heart and very related to boundaries. The sense that I don't want to hurt you, and that as such I need to lie to you, means that I'm managing your reality. Mm-hmm. It is. There's no such thing as a white lie. A lie is a lie. And this is not to say I don't, I don't tell them, but the fact you, me telling myself that it's a white lie because I don't want to hurt you is a cop-out. What I'm doing is lying. So the, the, the most frequent example of me lying and telling white lies, and, and basically as it relates to boundaries, is related to the fact that I am very social and v- extremely introverted. So I am perpetually giving excuses as to why I can't do things. I'm perpetually saying that I'm busy, that I, and really, I just want to sit and look out the window. And it's very difficult to say that to people without hurting their feelings or without whatever. And I've decided that every time I give a white lie, I'm actually not letting people see who I really am. I'm like misrepresenting myself. And then uh, boundary setting gets increasingly more difficult. If instead I present myself as I really am and I say, I cannot see you because I am socially tapped out. I'm exhausted. I had a really social week and I just, I just need to sit in my apartment for the weekend. The more I tell the truth, the more I run into people who understand me and, and who just have learned to respect my boundaries. So if we want to do boundaries right, we have to stay away from saying white lies. And it's like I said in the beginning, Dan, before we started this conversation, I'm not an expert. I've thought a lot about this. I've written a book about it, but it's something where I'm always exercising and practicing something that's their boundaries are flexible. They're always moving. They're ever changing. So through this conversation, I will tell you what I've discovered. But at the end of the day, each one of your listeners is going to have to figure them out for themselves, which is why the book is called how to draw your boundaries and why no one else can save you. I can tell you what I think, but really you're on your own.
1: The challenge I've encountered here, Dushka, is that most people seem to have a very hard time receiving candid communication without getting offended or without getting upset. How do you, how do you rectify that or how do you navigate through that?
0: Where I've landed is that my job, so my boundaries are my limits. They're, they're the limits of, of, of my time, my space, my energy, my things. It's my limits. My job is to articulate and communicate my boundaries as clearly as possible. What others do with that is up to them. I can't control that. I need to make peace with the fact that sometimes I will disappoint you and that sometimes you will misunderstand me. If I make peace with those two things, my boundary setting becomes clear. So in a sense, how other people react is beyond my ability to do anything about it. I can be as clear as I can, as honest as I can avoid white lies so that the boundary becomes easier to set. And that is, that is my limit that reaches the limit of what I have control over. Mm
1: -hmm. I I like what you said about when you communicate directly with regard to your boundaries, you're letting people see who you really are. Exactly. And, And to have real connection, which you describe as the meaning of life, it just seems like it's important for us to be presenting who we really are versus be presenting sort of a half truth about ourselves?
0: A thousand percent. If I don't tell you who I am, I don't let you see me. If you can't see me, intimacy cannot exist. So me setting boundaries is in a way it's me showing you who I am, which is incredibly terrifying. And every time I set boundaries, I I wonder why is this so counterintuitive? And there's an answer for that that we'll get to because you're going to have me read it. But the fact is, boundaries feel awful, and they make us feel like we're terrible people. And at the end of the day, if we don't, if we're not clear about our limits, we become the worst version of ourselves.
1: The powerful idea for people to consider right there. Let's get into reading some of your essays from the book, Dushka. Let's. Uh, I want you to read on page five. How do I become emotionally independent? Start with that one.
0: Absolutely. I love it when you make me read essays of old books because I'm not quite sure what exactly I'm going to be reading. (laughs) My hope is that I never read something that I'm like, oh my God, is that what I thought? But (laughs) how do I become emotionally independent? In the quest for happiness and emotional independence, the single most important thing you can do is learn to love yourself. How you feel about yourself is a lens that has an impact over how you perceive everything. Loving yourself is the dedicated practice of two things. Setting boundaries and setting time alone. Boundaries are about being clear with where your limits are, and time alone turns the volume down on the world so that you can hear yourself. This is how you get to know what you want, what you need, and how you make space to express yourself through creating something. Emotional independence does not mean you don't need anyone else. It means you create interdependent rather than codependent relationships. The difference is that a codependent relationship, you expect the other person to do what you should be doing for yourself. In an interdependent relationship, you support each other. You witness each other's emotional evolution. You share your lives without panic, without despair, without neediness, and without clinging. You never put each other down. Emotional independence is never about needing no one. It's about the knowledge that true, healthy connection is the meaning of life.
1: So you say their boundaries are about being clear with where your limits are, and this enables you to have healthier, interdependent relationships?
0: That is exactly what I'm saying. How so? Which part?
1: <laughs> Just how do boundaries create healthier interdependent relationships?
0: Well, if you don't know what my limits are, if I don't express what, let, let's say I never listened to myself. So I don't know what my limits are. A good example of that was when I was a teenager, everybody loved parties. So I thought I must love parties. And I would come back from parties and I would feel so unhappy and so depleted. It took me a while to figure out that just because other people liked something didn't mean that I had to like it. There's nothing wrong with me. I just don't like parties. So that was a, a boundary that with my friends, I never voiced because I didn't know that I had it, right? So I keep getting invited to things that I don't want to do. So the first, day, the first step is identify for yourself what your limits are. And then as you set your limits, who you are becomes clear to other people so they can decide if they respect your boundary or they don't respect your boundary. And then it's up to you to decide what to do with people who don't respect your boundaries. Okay. Which we can of course talk more about because that's a whole other part about boundaries that is really, really important.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, I'm sure we'll get to that. You, you have a, a quote somewhere else in the book that summarizes this uh, pretty well. It's uh, I have the discipline, the rigor to put myself first, not because it's selfish, but because I can't love you well if along the way I forget who I am.
0: Yes. And let's talk for just one second about this notion of selfishness. So first, whenever someone throws the word around like selfish, it's always fascinating to me because what it essentially is saying is, how dare you do what matters to you instead of what matters to me? That is essentially what selfishness is. Why are you putting you first instead of me first? So to me, anyone who's like throwing around the word selfish is projecting because if I'm not selfish and you put you you first, I understand that you're doing something healthy for you. But also boundaries are about my limits. I have limits, not because I'm selfish, but because I'm human. It's like, it's sheer mortal limitation. I am trying to communicate sheer mortal limitation. So if I say, for example, there's like so many examples of boundaries that can give you, but a, a good example of a boundary is I'm not hungry anymore. Right? And a and, and someone is saying, finish what's on your plate. And I'm like, stop, I'm not hungry anymore. That's a boundary. Right. Right? So a parent can boundaries and, and kids and parents is like another very, very complicated subject because you're trying to get the child to be a responsible adult. And at the same time, the child has limits. So you need to listen when the boundary is actually real, right? But what if a child says, I don't, I I can't eat anymore. I'm full. That's a boundary. Another boundary might be, I don't work on weekends. I want to spend time with my family on weekends. Another boundary might be, please don't touch me there. Or I don't want to have sex tonight. Like anything that involves the limits of my time, my energy, my body, my space are limits. People who really have to learn about boundaries are introverts. We live in a, in a world where a lot of extroverts, uh, extroversion is considered more normal. It's, it's more social. So people who are introverted and who are exhausted when they spend a lot of time, you know, in, with social interactions need, need to learn how to, how to say, can you please go home now? You know, you're in, my, you're in my home and I need to go to bed. I'm exhausted. So boundaries are the expression of your limits. And they change, right? You can feel, I can feel super comfortable having people around me for five hours on one day and for one hour on another. So it's, it's also about staying in touch with yourself. I completely forgot what your question was, but my hope is that in, somewhere in there I answered it. If not, you can ask yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you, you certainly have. So um, you have an essay that you put out recently on social media. It's not in the book. It's called, Why Is It Hard? to set up boundaries.
0: Yes, I would hope this is the one I, I asked hoping, you to have ready. Yes, I have it ready. And I was hoping you would ask me because this is, this is the, to the best of my ability. It's why I, I think I have issues setting boundaries. The boundaries are not something we learn when we're little. I mean, it's very rare that it's not taught in school. Our parents don't teach us. So here's, here's the, the answer. Why is it hard to set up boundaries? We learn how to do this thing we call life when we are children. When we are children, what we are taught is to be polite, to comply, even to be seen and not heard. Well-raised kids are kids who say yes, sir. We learn not to argue, to take up as little space as possible. We learn not to be a burden, in particular if we see that our parents are dominating, overwhelmed, or irate. What we learn is to disregard ourselves. As we get older, we begin to feel the consequences. We feel unheard. We feel unseen. We feel angry, ignored, even resentful and exhausted. Don't get me wrong, it's terribly hard to be a parent. Imagine a kid saying no, a kid prone to disobeying or disregarding what adults say. A kid saying, I need a few hours to myself. Parents do the best they can. But as adults, it's no wonder it takes time to get comfortable with having needs, with taking up space, with having opinions, with saying no. To get what we want, what we need, we were taught that what worked was precisely the opposite. Saying no will get people angry with us, in particular if all they've ever heard from us is yes, sir. It takes years to learn that it's okay. It's necessary to disappoint. It's okay for other people to regard us with a lack of approval. It's okay for others to not be comfortable with the choices that we make for ourselves. It's hard to set boundaries because it's hard to undo what we were taught classifies us as good.
1: That last line, Dushka, really caught me as I read this essay, what classifies us as good. So, you know, there's 7 billion people in the world and just about as many agendas. And in order to get along well with others, don't we sometimes have to be flexible with what we want?
0: Absolutely, but at what cost? So I'm gonna give you an example. Let's say you I actually have a, I'm gonna read you something similar to this, but I'm gonna give you an example. Let's say that tomato makes me really sick. I'm using this example because tomato does in fact make me very sick. I'm allergic to it. Let's say that we I go to dinner at your house and, I, and you serve me pasta with tomato. And I look at it and I really don't want to insult you. You, you cooked for me, right? So if I, if I eat the pasta because I don't want to hurt your feelings, how selfish is that? And how much of a danger is that to me? My answer to you is I would much rather be rude to you than eat tomato. Because if I eat tomato, I will probably be, end up in a world of pain. But what if I just don't feel like eating it? Can I tell you a white lie and like eat a little bit? Like who has the measure of how selfish it is for me to decline what you're serving? me? And my answer is it depends a lot on the circumstances. It depends a lot on our relationship and it depends a lot on how far I'm willing to go. So I'll tell you now, sometimes the boundary is in fact selfish. It it, it depends, but sometimes, and for reasons that you can never know a boundary is something that I need to do sometimes for my survival. So I think that the only measure of whether or not a boundary is selfish can be set by the person actually setting the boundary.
1: The only measure of the difference here is set by the person actually setting the boundary.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because I am comfortable. I can tell you now, I have learned over the last two decades, it's not that it doesn't hurt, but I can tell you now, I am very comfortable disappointing you. I am going to protect myself with my boundaries from you, even if they disappoint you. I am okay with you misunderstanding me, but I have the measure of if the boundary that I'm giving you is selfish or if I'm actually truly protecting myself. You cannot know what is behind me saying no, thank you to tomato sauce. You cannot possibly know. So for us to judge another person for setting boundaries is quite selfish.
1: Right. Wouldn't it be great if people? really felt that way though, that they would they weren't going to judge boundaries, that they weren't going to take a rejection or a polite declining of something personally
0: and yeah, be upset and about think, it. Absolutely. And I think we do that through our converse, through our conversations, right? So I, I will say, Dan, I'm so sorry. Like, I know that you cooked this and that there's nothing else for dinner for me tonight, but I can't eat tomato. And then I can decide or not. I can be like, I don't want to tell him why. For whatever reason, I'm embarrassed that I'm allergic to tomato. Or I can say, I actually have a tomato intolerance. It, makes, it gives me symptoms of arthritis. It makes me really sick. Or I can say, I don't owe anyone an explanation. What I eat is 100% up to me. Of course. I am comfortable disappointing you by not eating tomato, right? You also have to think a lot about what it says. So how someone responds to my boundaries tells me a lot about them, right? I need to think Mm. very carefully, very carefully about keeping in my life someone willing to get what they want from me at my expense.
1: Well, that was a very powerful phrase. Can you just repeat that one? I have to be very careful
0: about. I will. I will repeat it to you with an example. Let's say that you send me a note and you go, "Hey, you're 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 a writer. Can you review this essay that I wrote?" And I say, "Sure, Dan, but this essay is you know thirteen pages. I can't review it today." And you're like. No, I understand that, but I like really, really need it. And you start pushing me and I go, okay, I will review it. I gave you a boundary and you push that boundary, Mm -hmm. right? I need to be very careful with the people in my life that are willing to get what they need from me at the cost of me, at at my expense. So basically, boundary setting is a filter that shows me who I want close in my life and who I don't. So it's, it's hard for everyone to accept the boundary, but how willing are you to get what you need from me at my expense? If you want what you need from me at my expense and you do it too many times, I need to question whether or not I want you in my life. So if I don't know how to set boundaries, which was my case for many years, I tended to give more than I could basically right? I I was perpetually overextended. I was what is commonly known as a people pleaser, right? So if one day I start learning about boundaries and I start uh, using the best example that I have of a boundary, which is quote, no, quote, right? No. Can you do? My answer is no. I have suddenly changed the tacit rules of that relationship. You are used to me saying yes, and now I am saying no. So of course that is going to cause turbulence in our dynamic. I have just changed the rules of the game. But my expectation of you is that you will come to understand that I am not willing to do for you what I was once willing to do. I have changed. I am now looking out for myself. So if you truly love me, if I matter to you, you're going to be like, well, that's who she is now. And I love her for who she is. If you are mostly using me, if mostly you are close to me because I became useful to you then you will not be comfortable with my boundaries. And then you have shown me that having you in my life is something I really have to think about. So people tell me, what if I lose my friends if I set boundaries? And my answer is, you often will. Setting boundaries changes the entire landscape of your relationships. But it also teaches you who is worth having in your life because they love you and who is in your life because they want something from you. True friends, people who truly love you, even if they experience difficulty respecting your boundaries will ultimately understand your boundaries
1: wow dushka that was so profound that last section right there i would i would recommend any listener back this up about 3 or 4 minutes and just go back through that part the idea that boundaries can be a filter that they can reveal a lot about the people who are in our life yes right i think that that resonated for me at a whole new level. Yeah, and,
0: and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you another example that is equally, to me, give, also gives me whiplash and is also incredibly painful. Sometimes the people who have the most difficulty respecting our boundaries are the people who love us the most, our family. And the reason is because they want us to be who they want us to be, not who we actually are. Hmm. So holding a boundary with a family member, with a parent, for example, is incredibly painful and incredibly difficult. And my advice is family is no exception. You need to have boundaries because boundaries are how you love yourself. They they are how you establish healthy relationships. If someone is constantly pushing and breaking your boundaries, it doesn't matter who they are. They are breaking a boundary. So you need to sit down and have a conversation and say, I am not who you think I am. I am who I am. The person that I am is expressed through these new boundaries. So I will not, By way of example, be a doctor. I am not going to be a lawyer. I am not going to marry this person or that person. I don't have the religion that you have, etc., etc., etc. Boundaries are how you claim your life. So anyone disrespecting your boundaries, even in other words, often people who disrespect your boundaries love you, but they love you wanting you to be a certain way. And the only person who can decide how you want to be is you. It is super painful and super hard. And in the end, the reward is a life that belongs to you.
1: Wow, that, that was really powerful, Dushka. I love that. Such powerful ideas so far from Dushka Zapata, and there's a lot more still to come. I just wanted to take a minute here to mention that one of our sponsors, Organifi, has increased the discount available for Changing Lives podcast listeners from 15 to 20%. And on top of that, they have a special promotion going on at the time of this episode release for an an additional 26% off one of their most popular offerings. Organifi is the cut-co of superfood blends. Their green juice is a blend of 11 high-quality plant-based ingredients and is great as a replacement for breakfast. The red juice is a perfect energy booster in the afternoon And my favorite is their gold tea, which is awesome for nighttime. It boosts your immunity and helps you sleep. Everything from Organifi is all natural and organic, and you just mix it with water when you're ready to use it. Visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals to see all of our sponsors and click on the Organifi logo to see the full line of their products. Currently, their Sunrise to Sunset 3-pack is 26% off. That has the green, the red, and the gold. And if you use the promo code CLSK when you check out, you'll get an additional 20% off this deal or anything else they carry. This is the perfect time to try out something from Organifi. So visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. And thanks for supporting this podcast, everyone. Next up, Dushka shares what healthy boundaries sound like. So let's get right back to it with Dushka Zapata. You have a great essay about what healthy boundaries might actually sound like, Mm -hmm. setting them and what they sound like. It's page 217. In the book, it's called, Were You Born Knowing How to Set Boundaries?
0: You were not. I I haven't even gotten to the page yet, and I can tell you that. Oh, 217, you said, right? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Were you born knowing how to set boundaries? Nobody is born knowing how to set boundaries. As babies, we depended on others to remain alive. Getting others to like us and approve of us is related to survival and runs contrary to learning how to assert our sovereignty. As we get older, the absence of boundaries means bitterness, disrespect, and resentment. It means the erasing of our outlines. We begin to disappear. Clear boundaries mean clarity on where others end and I begin. They mean healthy relationships. Boundaries are how we love and stand up for ourselves, but also how we give to others the best of us, the part that feels safe and happy rather than overextended. Boundaries are a practice, not something you learn one time and then just get right. It's normal for others to not like our boundaries, in particular when boundary setting changes the rules of an existing dynamic. For this reason, we don't just need to set them, we need to defend them. Some boundaries are set from the very beginning of a relationship. Hey, if you're going to be late, just let me know. And some come up when something hurts us or makes us uncomfortable. I understand that you're angry, but please don't slam the door. Many, many times boundaries come up as we go, so we're always new at setting them. Nobody is a boundary expert. Everyone is fumbling along. Here are a few examples of what boundaries might sound like. No. You making a joke at my expense hurts my feelings. It's okay for us to disagree, but you can't force me to think like you do. Your party sounds like so much fun. I am sorry I cannot make it. I just broke up with my boyfriend and I am not ready to talk about it. Please don't touch me like that. If anything in that relationship makes you feel pushed, invaded, or resentful, observe it. What do you need? What would make you feel more comfortable? Your answer is your boundary. It belongs to you, so you don't need to explain it or justify it. Finally, boundaries express your limits rather than control another person. I want you to stop seeing other people is control, not a boundary. A boundary is I am monogamous and I am not interested in an open relationship.
1: So the line in there that really struck me, Dushka, was if anything in a relationship makes you feel pushed, invaded, or resentful, observe it. Mm-hmm. So we should all be more in tune with the feelings within us in order to recognize where to set our boundaries.
0: Yes. And that's why I also recommend spending time alone to just to have some time to process that. But let me let me give you a dead giveaway. Resentment is a very interesting sensation because it disguises itself as something it isn't. Resentment disguises itself as me being angry at you for doing something. Resentment is actually me being angry at me for not being clear about what I want. Mm -hmm. So if you break a boundary and I feel resentment towards you, the person I'm actually mad at is myself. Resentment is a sign that your boundaries have been violated. Whether you set the boundary or not, whether you were clear or not, if you are feeling resentful, there's a, there's a boundary in there that you were not clear on. Resentment is a sign that you are not setting boundaries where you should.
1: That's a great uh, way of encapsulating that idea. So you have something related to this, Dushka, that I want to I get into, and then we can talk about probably both of these at once. On page 53, you have an essay called, How Do You Recognize Your Boundaries? Could you read that one for us?
0: How do you recognize your boundaries? Something is making me uncomfortable, drained, stressed, indignant, or resentful. Something makes me feel afraid. Something makes me question myself. Something makes me feel guilty or selfish. I notice the feeling and wait a minute, Dushka, what exactly is making you feel this way? Hold on, go back. What happened? Can you pinpoint it? Can you put it into words? Why did that hurt? Why am I so tired? Why am I feeling taken advantage of? Why do I feel like I can't say no? Why do I feel I deserve better? Why do I feel like I'm giving too much? And so that we don't feel this way ever again, what are we going to do to put this feeling where it belongs? What comes next is a boundary, and it might sound really complicated, like I feel taken advantage of, and I know it's not your fault because I keep offering to help. I think I love you very much and overextend myself, and it has nothing to do with you. Or it might sound simple, like, no, no, I won't do that.
1: Right. So it's so important to be in tune with our own selves, to be able to sense where we may need to establish boundaries, where we may be overextended, where we may be compromising who we are to the detriment of our own selves and to the detriment of our relationships.
0: Exactly. Look, a boundary protects me. It protects my space. It protects my energy. It protects my limits, but it also protects you. It protects you from the worst of me. You don't want me resentful. You don't want me passive aggressive and bitter. You don't want me feeling like you've taken advantage of me. Boundaries protect others from the worst of me.
1: Hmm. Have you ever ignored this and then paid the consequence?
0: Every day, all the time. Absolutely all the time. I'm like, why did I say yes to that when I wanted to say no? And yeah, it's incredibly difficult. Of course I've done that. I've done it multiple times. I, I think I do it a lot less than I used to. But boundaries come up every time. The reason I wrote this book, this book, How to Draw Boundaries and Why No One Else Can Save You, was the pandemic. The pandemic rewrote everything I had ever known about boundaries. There was a friend whom I love, who I really wanted to see, and he was really wanting to see me. And I had to say no, even if I wanted to see him, because I was like, I don't want to get sick. This was like back when we didn't really understand what it was that got us sick. And I remember one time him wanting to see me and me thinking, I have been sheltered in place, like locked in my apartment for three months, and this person has been traveling. So the risk I incur when I see him is different than the risk he incurs when he sees me. So I had to come to terms with saying no, even if I wanted to see him. And the price of breaking my boundaries was me risking getting sick. So I really had to rethink. It just basically brought the whole boundary conversation to a different level. And it's, what, it's how the book came to be, because I was just reviewing everything I knew about boundaries. It's really hard. I I think we, we misstep on our boundaries pretty much every day. I drank more than like, I drink very, very little alcohol. I actually haven't had a drink in like two years just because it doesn't make me feel good. And I'm stunned at how often I go out and people are like, you're not drinking. Hey, just have one. Why aren't you drinking? I'm like, oh my God, I just told you I wasn't drinking. Why are you pushing me? You know what I mean it's 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 like yes. I know that you're that in your mind you're trying to be like casual and friendly but I'm I just told you I don't want to drink and me not wanting to drink is a perfect example of my body liquids going into my body me f- having to deal with the consequences of my drinking the reason I don't drink is a because it doesn't make me feel good but also because I wake up very early to write and if I drink I feel awful when I get up early so um drinking really throws a wrench in what I want to be doing with my life. So I have just moved from like occasionally having a glass of wine to like not drinking at all. And that's the boundary people push on every time I say that I don't want to drink. It's like, why? What, what is going on? Are you okay? What is uh, what, what? What about one? Oh, come on, just a glass of champagne. And I'm like, what is happening here? So I think people push your boundaries and it's not always ill-intentioned. You know what I mean?
1: Yes. This has so many applications in our work lives.
0: A thousand applications in our work life. Yeah, The lack of boundaries is why there's so much burnout.
1: Mm. You you write about professional boundaries in the book also. And I think about for my own self, when I respond to texts or even, you know, texts or emails as a professional boundary, right? I like to, I have a home office that's outside of my house. Mm -hmm. And and I leave my work stuff in there. And when I go in my house for dinner, I try to shut down completely with work, but Mm -hmm. I still have my phone. And so if somebody texts me at 7.30 PM, I'm probably going to see it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And oftentimes I respond, but oftentimes I try to, to push it off. Like, Hey, could you send me an email about that? So I don't forget. Or if you send me an email reminder, I'll get to that in the morning. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Maybe I might even be better off just not even responding, but then sometimes I'm worried I'm going to, I'm going to forget about it later. So, but th- just, that's a way that I try to set some professional boundaries yeah. around my work hours and my yeah. work domain.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to set boundaries at work. What I tell myself is that I find My boundaries at work shift, so I'll I'll give you an example. Sometimes I really don't want to work on the weekend. I want to rest. I want to write. I want to hang out with my boyfriend. Whatever. Sometimes working on Saturday is my very favorite time to work because I'm not interrupted. I can work on something for the luxury of a five-hour chunk of time instead of between meetings or whatever. So it depends. So I just try to be. I, I use the tools that that we have, like the tech tools. Like I put on my Slack off this weekend, or you know, I'm not going to respond to emails this, this morning, this Monday morning, or I put, I block time on my calendar that people can open my calendar and see time blocks. I tell people I'm not going to work later than whatever time, because I'm having dinner with my friends. You know what? There's two things that we need to constantly work against. One is just because we get an email doesn't mean we have to respond to it right away. And it always helps to say, I'm not going to respond to this email right away, but I'll look at it first thing tomorrow or whatever it helps to use technology to help support our boundaries. It helps to remember that we get burned out because we don't know how to say no. It helps to remember what we can do to respect the boundaries of others. So for example, my boss is very careful never to send emails to people on the weekends because he's like, I'm senior. And it kind of puts people in a place where they feel they have to respond on weekends, even if it's not what I expect. So I time, I I use the The function in the computer so that the emails, even if I write them on the weekend, they're sent on Monday morning. So I think half of my answer to you is set your boundaries clearly. And my other half is think about other people's boundaries and how you can respect them so that we don't all end up burned out. And then also think about what it means for people who are working from home and how easy it is for me to roll out of bed and start looking at email at six in the morning. Or, well, I'm still home, so I guess I can look at something at 8 p.m. And I I think we also have to set careful boundaries, even if we're working from home.
1: Yes. Excellent advice. That was great.
0: Oh, one more thing. Sorry, this this is also very close to my heart. We live in a culture of urgency. If you're my friend and I text you and you haven't responded within the hour, I'm like, what the heck is going on? There is no urgency. We have to step away. I mean, if something is urgent, then it's urgent, but is everything urgent, right? I think that we need to put some thought into this timeline that we're working under because we're burning ourselves out, not just the people around us, but ourselves. You don't have to reply to things immediately. It's actually incredibly thoughtful for you to say, I I have to sleep on that. You know, I I get a document. I'm going to tell you that 90% of the time I get something and I purposefully leave it Like set it in my draft folder and look at it again the next morning because it's, it's just when my brain is most lucid. You have no idea how many times I rethink something or just do a better job because I slept on it. So that uh, setting a boundary for myself is this is not urgent. It's okay if you send it out tomorrow morning and then you can do better work. So setting boundaries also allows me to be better and better at work.
1: Yes, I, I have often communicated to someone that you know your urgent matter is not my urgent matter.
0: So that right? is a perfect boundary. Just because you didn't organize yourself in the right way doesn't make it doesn't mean that I have to you know break my time with my family or whatever. And I mean, of course, if someone calls me with something that's genuinely urgent, I'm super happy to look at it. But the better I set my boundaries, the more flexible I am when I have to when I have to bend them.
1: Mm-hmm. Excellent.
0: I mean, it depends on the boundary, but as a general rule, the clearer I am with my boundaries, the more I'm like, yeah, I can look at that on a Sunday. Like you haven't bothered me in a weekend in a long time. I I can do that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. When I know I can do it, I certainly will. And Mm -hmm. I think that 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 makes a lot of sense. This has been great. Dushka, as we we wind this down here, I want to get into this concept of people pleasing. Mm -hmm. You described yourself as a people pleaser in your past. Uh, You have an essay called Nice. Mm -hmm. It's on page 151.
0: Yeah, I will say that I won't say that I was a people pleaser in my past. I will say I am a recovering people pleaser. Yeah, okay. This is called nice. Imagine you don't like pizza. The guy you're dating really likes it. So you say you love pizza to make him like you. You don't like pizza and end up eating pizza often rather than speaking up. You risk ending up being angry at him for always picking pizza. Your anger builds up. You can't see it now, but you're not angry at him. You're angry at yourself. This is people-pleasing. Now imagine you don't like pizza and all your friends like it. You say you don't like pizza, but you like spending time with them so decide you can be flexible, that this time you can set your preferences aside to be accommodating. That's being nice. I understand how this can be a fine line, but the first one will make you feel used and resentful and diminished, and the second will make you feel happy because you own where you stand and are being generous. People-pleasing is not about making things easier for others, but involves compromising who you are. It means trying to make everyone happy at your expense and realizing that despite your efforts, it cannot be done. It's a losing battle because you're playing it against yourself. It's sacrificing yourself to such an extent you lose track of who you are. That's not very nice. Nice begins by being nice to yourself.
1: Yeah, I love the part where you say the first will make you feel used and resentful and diminished. People-pleasing will Mm -hmm. make you feel used and resentful and diminished, whereas being nice, your second example, will make you happy because you own where you stand and you're being generous.
0: Yeah, there's another element. People-pleasing is disguised as generosity, but it's actually manipulation. If I'm a people-pleaser, what I'm trying to do is get other people to like me. If you're trying to get someone to do something, that is the definition of manipulation. So if I'm doing something because I'm generous, I'm not really doing it to please you. I'm kind of doing it to please myself because it feels good. So also when you're people pleasing, think, are you trying to get something out of this generosity? Because that's not nice. That's manipulative. So I think people pleasing is manipulation in disguise. It's pretending to be generous, but it really isn't. And I say this as a a recovering people pleaser.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great, great examples and and really, really clear thinking on on the difference here. So the last one I want to have you read, Dushka, is page 19, and it's how do you stop pleasing people?
0: Thank God I wrote about this because I really want (laughs) to (laughs) know. How do you stop pleasing people? Life is hard, really hard. Finding my way takes grit and mostly means two things. Making a distinction between what works for everyone and what works for me. Finding the presence of mind to disappoint others in the name of standing up for myself. People-pleasing is disguised as generosity, but really it's avoidance. It's a constant, relentless escape from doing the hard work of not compromising myself. The price is to not clearly understand who I am, to let people walk all over me, to feel full of bitterness and resentment, and to wonder why I feel like I'm in the wrong life. I'm in the wrong life because if I people-please, I don't understand how to set boundaries and constantly allow others to make decisions for me. Love yourself. Love yourself enough to know you're worth not betraying yourself in the name of getting others to approve of you.
1: Just uh, again, just so profound, right? Not, uh, not betraying yourself to, uh, you know, to get others to approve of you. There's such good stuff in there that you have uh, shared with the audience here today. You have a, a quote that I noted in the book. Uh, again, this is on another page in the book, but you said in one of the great paradoxes of life, no matter what you do, Everyone will judge you, and no one will care true for, for both of those reasons, what others think about your choices should not be given much consideration. Yes, I feel like the reason why I grappled with the whole concept of boundaries, the reason why initially I didn't make this book among my you know my my packet of gifts that I was sending out to people, the reason why perhaps it took me a longer, longer time to read this book than some of your other books is just the idea that all of this stuff we've shared today, one could say that it sounds a little bit rough, maybe even insensitive at times, but your overriding insight that I hope people will be left with today is that having those boundaries, as we've described, makes you a better you and that the right people will be attracted to you and they will resonate with you in ways that others never could do and that that's what's going to build the healthiest, strongest, most vibrant, long-term relationships in our lives. Does that sound like a good summary?
0: It does. I want to add one thing, which is having no boundaries and putting myself in a place where I'm constantly feeling overwhelmed and overextended Overextended—it's such a painful word. It hurt to me. It's torture. I am exhausted. That is treating myself with an absence of compassion, not stating my boundaries, not working on my boundaries, not thinking about my boundaries because I'm fear that I'm going to be selfish. Is incredibly cruel to do to myself. Compassion does not exist if I don't first have it for myself. So if I want to be a compassionate person, if I want to be a fair person. If I wanna be the best person I can be, I have to start with me. I have to start by being compassionate towards myself. And I cannot be compassionate towards myself if I'm constantly putting myself in a place where I'm overextending myself to do right by everyone but me.
1: Verb insights, Dushka. The book is called How to Draw Your Boundaries and Why No One Else Can Save You. Dushka, tell us about your new book coming out in May of 2022.
0: Yes, my new book. I'm very excited about it. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull it up. We don't have video, right? Yes, we do. Um, like, do pe- if I show you something, can people who hear this podcast see it? Yes. Okay.
1: Well, they won't, they won't see it if they're listening to the podcast on audio, but they watch the video, they can.
0: Okay, so that's there my it new it
1: is. For all I know.
0: It's called, For All I Know, A Shebang of Checklists for Life. And what I realized was that I, a lot of the questions that I run into, I was answering in a checklist format like not in paragraphs or like prose, but just like quick points. And I decided that I wanted to collect all this check, these checklists into this book. The book is the fattest book I've ever written. It's like 450 pages just because it's lists. It's not prose. And it just has like, I divided the checklists into three chapters. One is checklists for you. And it includes actually a lot about boundaries, like how to set boundaries, what are the steps to set boundaries, like how do I love myself, what's self-care, what's self-love, what is a good routine in the morning, what's discipline, like a lot of things around the self. Then a lot of checklists around how to have better, uh, more meaningful relationships. And then a lot of checklists on how to work on myself. So they are journaling prompts, like a list of questions related to different topics that you can buy a notebook and sit down and just write. Because I feel like writing is a very good way to listen to myself. And it's a very good way to just see the progress that I've made, like how far I've come between one notebook and another. And also because I felt like people were, I feel like we've all been through such a difficult couple of years that our ability to concentrate is compromised. And sometimes just reading a checklist is very easy and it gives you something to think about without you having to read something too dense. So I thought that putting together a list of checklists was just lighter. So that's what it is. And it's going to be out sometime in May. I'm thinking probably the second week of May. So very, very, we're, we're a couple of weeks away. Sounds great. And it's book number 14.
1: Book number 14, Dushka, congratulations. Uh, you do, you do such great work. I've told so many people about your work, and I just feel like you articulate very complicated life subjects in a way that makes great sense. I love the work that you do. I love the way that your essays are brought to life by Dan Rome's uh, drawings as isn't well.
0: He, isn't he so great? <laughs> he actually he actually designed uh, and illustrated this book. He designed the cover, and he illustrated the book. is filled with his illustrations because he just brings to life what I write in a way I, I have never experienced. I, I love his work. He's, a, he's an incredible artist.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm sure you'll get a lot of customers for your book from among the Cutco Vector Marketing community. Um, Thank you. And-
0: maybe, maybe if people buy the checklist book and have questions, we can, we can do a, you can collect the questions and we can do a kind of a, let's answer the checklist questions uh, podcast.
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to make a note of that right now. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll, uh, we'll circle back to that one a little later this year. And thank you so much, Dushka, for your time once again on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for making me think about my favorite subject.
1: Awesome. There you have it, folks. Dushka Zapata. I hope this gives you a whole new perspective On the subject of boundaries, helps you understand this concept a whole lot better as it did for me. That boundaries are how we love ourselves, that boundaries are a way of letting people see who you really are. They are a filter that can enable you to establish and strengthen the right relationships in your life. That how someone responds to your boundaries tells you a lot about them and the role that they should play in your life, that boundaries make you a better you, and that the right people will be attracted to you and will resonate with you in ways that others would not. I wanna wrap up by reading some parts of one of Dushka's essays from the book. This is called The Boss. One of the biggest mind shifts I've ever had to do was fully own the fact that I am the one who decides. This agency is the main ingredient in becoming an adult. It's not that you suddenly know more. We are all winging it. It's that you come into the fact that you have both power and free will. Often we ask for advice because we are hesitant to be fully responsible for the consequences. What should I do with my life? What should I study in college? Should I break up with him? Should I be angry? Do I stay or go? The price you pay is that you are giving your life away to others. Your life is, in effect, the sum of the decisions that you make. Your decisions, however small, are too precious to relinquish to others. Your life belongs to you. Become the sole owner of it. And on the very next page, Dushka has an essay called Self-Acceptance, which ends with this paragraph. Believe me when I tell you who you are already is perfect. Go find that, accept that, love it, amplify it, be proud of it, hold it up so others like you can find you. I know that Dushka and I would both love to receive your feedback on this episode. If you have questions, you can send them my way. You can go to changinglivespodcast.com in the comments section of Dushka's episode, and you can type your questions there. Dushka may be willing to do a question and answer podcast about this book and about her new book of checklists that is coming out in May. Thanks so much, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the amazing Dushka Zapata. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com/deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.